0: Welcome to a very special and long, drawn-out episode of Off The Pulpit. I'm Eugene. I'm Jason. I'm Thomas. We're three friends, uh, three pastors, just conversing about life, culture, and church off the pulpit. Uh, We've been waiting to drop this episode for a very long time, but if you've been following the news, it's been a bit difficult. Uh, We wanted to kind of drop an episode after the election with the results in hand. But as you could tell it was an election day It was an election week so that took a little longer um, so just to give you kind of a preview in the first half of this episode we have a interview with dr jonathan lehman that we recorded a bit before the election um, so we edited it down to a little bit just so you can get his take on politics and just his take on the election to come so we hope you enjoy that for a little bit but stick around after and we're going to react to uh, president elect joe biden so we hope you're blessed by dr jonathan lehman special and first guest for our uh, podcast. Dr. Jonathan Lehman, uh, he is the editorial director at Nine Marks, an elder at Chevrolet Baptist Church, author of several books, including "How the Nations Rage," "Rethinking Faith and Politics," and "Divided Age." Um, we have you on to talk about politics, and especially uh, this episode so. is going to drop uh, after the election. Um, so we don't we don't know we we're recording this a little bit before, so we don't know which way it will go. But before anything, um, I guess just to help our listeners, can you just kind of uh, a brief introduction of your own kind of journey and and passion into politics I, I know you have a lot of education behind that
1: I grew up enjoying paying attention to being interested in politics I don't know why but from uh you know junior high high school the idea of a just and moral society is something that always intrigued me so it was it wasn't just politics like hey these policies these parties it was more the larger philosophical questions of justice and morality and and government that always intrigued me going back to as I said junior high high school and uh, uh, in 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 college I discovered political theory as a discrete topic took a class on it was a political science major then did a master's degree in political theory immediately after college we're in the mid 90s here and um and eventually, thought, wanted to do a PhD in the topic, but wanted to pay off student loan debt first, so moved to Washington, D.C., 1996, and ended up working in journalism, became a Christian, felt called to ministry, went to seminary, did an MDiv, eventually did a PhD then, and in my PhD, my two passions— my new passion of theology and my old passion of political philosophy theory sort of combined in an exercise in political theology, right? Uh, It's kind of a new term for some people, but just think a theology of politics or the political. And uh, my work at Nine Marks sort of has me doing these very things because we're all about the local church. What is the church? It's, it's, It's the coming together of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, Mm. right? And organizing our lives together under the rule of this king. It's a sanctified, a sacred political theory that's going on in the local church, right? And necessarily that in implicates us, involves us in questions about what is the church in relation to the overall landscape, the overall public, the, in relation to the state. So my writing and thinking has just always been in this domain. And along with that, yeah, I I'm also interested in uh, questions of legislation and party politics and things that are more traditionally associated with the business of my town, Washington, D.C. But I I wouldn't say that I have any special expertise in legislative matters or executive agency matters that anybody listening to this podcast doesn't have, right? Mm. I read books and I read articles just like anybody else. But no, my, my training and my thinking is more in these larger moral and principial and theological questions about what the church is, what the state is, and that sort of thing.
2: If your thing is about the local church, um, what? how would you kind of simply define what the local church's role is when it comes to politics and the public, sp- the public square?
1: Yeah, I think the church's first job politically, and here I'm going to borrow from a theologian I don't agree with in a lot of things, Stanley Hauerwas, but I think the most important thing the church does politically is, drumroll, be the church. I remember when I read that in his writings, I'm just like, yes, that is exactly right. Hmm. Uh, A Christian politics begins with the words, Jesus is king. And when we acknowledge that Jesus is king, that changes everything about our lives, right? We take all of our different identities, all of our different agendas, everything about us, and we go before King Jesus and we say, okay, Lord Jesus, what, what would you have me do with this or that? about myself right sure. and incl- including who we are in the public square and so what a local church is is a gathering an assembly of those people formed and fashioned and, 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 and let's say increasingly formed and fashioned, little by little one degree of glory to the next by king jesus and we're conducting our lives together as one new man so our reconciliation to jesus comes with a reconciliation to one another Right. For once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. First Peter 2, verse 10. And okay, so the receiving of mercy, the becoming of a Christian, comes together with becoming a people. We are a new citizenry, right? As believers, and the local church is our outposts. Each local church is an outpost or an embassy of this kingdom. And so our politics begins learning how to live together and love one another uh, in the context of each of our own local church fellowships. And then our public life, our public engagement, which is kind of the question you were really asking, should be an outflow of our life together, which is to say if you're not living a just and righteous life or pursuing a just and righteous life with the members of your own local church, You don't understand where politics begins. You don't understand what it's all about. You're a poser, right? Mm. Uh, So saints, brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to be engaged politically, yes, but it's got to start at home. It's got to start with how we love one another. By your love for one another, Jesus says, John 13, they will know you are my disciples. So don't be like the person who goes around on the parenting lecture circuit while you're neglecting your own kids at home. Right. That's no good. So that's where our politics begins is in the context of our local church. I could keep talking about that or we can keep going from there.
2: When you interact with different folks and probably we interact with, and so I know people when you're interacting with them, they're very like, you know, nationalists along with the church and so forth. Um, I think the type of folks that we probably interact with are people who are looking at their churches and they want to actually see change in their churches because they think, you know, for example, with George Floyd and, and race and so forth, like we have to talk about this because this is not a matter of like the nation. This is a matter of justice and mercy. And I actually see a lot of pushback where people give them where it's like, hey, you shouldn't be talking about this in the mm-hmm. church because that's, you know, more of a political issue versus other people saying, no, this is a mercy justice issue. You need to be talking about this in the church. Yeah. And so you see them talking about it in their local churches, you see them exhorting other pastors to talk about it in their churches. Was mm-hmm. it a, is it a mistake to talk about that in your local church? Is it church by church? That kind of depends on the conscience of the pastor. What would you kind of say regarding addressing those topics in the local church context?
1: Number one, I'd be uh, be, be super careful because these are, are tricky issues. Number two, I think you have to have a strong doctrine, a, a strong concept of Christian freedom. Okay. Think of Romans 14 and the call for the one with a stronger conscience to forbear with the one with the weaker conscience on various disputable matters. Okay. And. Number three, that leads us to, I think we need a strong concept of a distinction between what you might call whole church issues or disputable matters, Christian freedom issues, or to put it a different way, between what I've called or what Robert Benet calls, and I've borrowed from him, straight line matters and jagged line matters. Straight line matters are, there's a straight line between the Bible and let's say a political position or a policy application. You shall not murder, Bible straight line down to, I would say, abortion is wrong. Christians must, therefore, oppose abortion. And the fact that there's a straight line between the biblical text and our policy application means, I would say, it's a whole church matter. The preacher should preach it. You might even make membership decisions according to it. You cannot be a Christian and support abortion. If you're an abortion doctor, we will excommunicate you. Right. Um, meanwhile, most of politics are what I would call, or what I've been called jagged line. There's a there's a jagged line between your various biblical principles that then inform zigzag, zigzag, your views on different issues. Say, say healthcare, right? Uh, I, I might have biblical principles informing my view of healthcare or healthcare policy, but it, it's necessarily going to run into a bunch of different questions that Christians are free to disagree on. So I'm going to leave it in the category of disputable matters. So I have a whole church matters and I have disputable matters matters. And most of politics is over there in the the disputable matters or Christian freedom bucket. Um, and, And what, what Christians need, I think is a strong conception that you have both kinds of buckets and recognize that most belong in that latter bucket. So listen, you can take your stance on systemic injustice or systemic racism, And I'm happy for you to make your case for it or against it. But please be willing to come to the Lord's table and don't make it a condition of the Lord's table. Don't treat it as a whole church issue that you're going to excommunicate people because they disagree with you on whether or not there's such a thing as systemic racism, right? Or reparations, happy for you to push reparations or against reparations, but please don't make it an excommunicable whole church issue. Come to the Lord's supper with a brother or sister who disagrees with you. And 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 any number of other immigration policy, you know, healthcare policy, and so many other.
2: I do not like the whole silence is complicity. That's something that you feel has silence
1: is violence. Mm-hmm. Well, so sometimes it can be, but it's just a big bumper sticker that if you slap down in any and all occasions, you're going to do injustice in saying that, hmm. right? So there is a time Proverbs 31 first eight verses talk about the, the need to speak up on behalf of the poor and the suffering. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a time when, when we should speak up, but Ecclesiastes three, there's a time and a season for every time to speak a time not to speak. Right. So enough of this bumper sticker politics, which I think is just tearing people apart. Uh, so, you know, brother and sister. So, okay. B- back to your original or kind of both the questions you're both getting at. Um, I think most Christians need a stronger doctrine of Christian freedom, American Christians especially, need a stronger doctrine of Christian freedom and and a willingness to love one another amidst our disagreements. Now, there is a time and a place that yet we have to speak clearly. You don't want to be the guy saying Christian freedom in 1959 or 1859 America. You don't want to be the guy saying Christian freedom in 1939 Germany, right? You, You need to take a stand. In moments like those. And, and honestly, brothers, these things are often easier to see in hindsight. They require much biblical investigation and clarity, but they also, I think, require just charity towards brothers and sisters who may not come to the same conclusions as quickly as you or I do.
0: So what, one question I have regarding that, I, I really like the straight line, jagged line, um, you yeah. know, paradigm. But one problem that I've been seeing is recently Christians are seeing more jagged line issues and straight line issues and especially in the church that the church is literally just copying the national discourse on politics, if that makes sense. And that everything you said in the first question that politics should start in the church isn't happening. And I think one question I had is what are the cultural and maybe even theological factors leading to that moment here in 2020 that, you know, I, it could be me being young and naive but I feel like the church is the most divided it's ever been, um, in my lifetime, at least growing up in the American church.
1: I agree. Well, in my experience as well, and I just may be old and naive <laughs> or middle-aged and naive, whatever, whatever I am. Um, yeah, I, but I would say it a little different than you, I guess I, I, in my mind, the church is treating more and more issues as straight line issues.
0: Sure. Sure. I meant that
1: we, 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 uh, I, I, th- I, th- yeah. Uh, we treat everything as a straight line issue. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you don't agree with me on this. I'm going to, you know, mentally in my head, I'm excommunicating. How can you even be a Christian? Yeah. Right. Uh, and we, what, what happens when we treat everything as a straight line, whole church issue? Well, we turn up the volume. We turn up the heat and we can't have good, meaningful conversations with one another. Uh, you know, just, just thinking about how people talk about one another and, okay, if so-and-so is voting for so-and-so, he's doing violence. Well, what is that? Well, that's a, that's a, that's, that's a, an authoritative Trump card. Uh, pardon the pun. I didn't mean that. That's that's a, that's, <laughs> that's a way that of stopping the conversation, <laughs> <laughs> that's a way of stopping the conversation, sure. shutting down thoughtfulness, shutting down reasonable Christians, trying to work through conclusions. If yeah. I'm just going to immediately assert, Oh, if you're voting for this person, yeah, you know, you're, you're disqualified from the realm of reasonable, rational, and certainly Christian people. It's like well, way to just Infantilize and 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 divide and hurt the body of Christ. Can, can yeah. we at least have a conversation about these things?
2: Well, what's interesting is you know, um, in one sense, it is the most divided it's ever been. But I actually, I would actually push back saying I think the church has been divided, but before we were divided about like should we pour water on babies and call it baptism, and those are the issues that we kind of argued about. Mm-hmm. But now we're our the things that are dividing us are. Mm-hmm you know, political issues, if you want to call it yeah, that
1: right. that's the,
2: the fellowship is broken from that. And you could see it on Twitter. Like I see Christian leaders, like literally the way they answer questions, what do you believe in the good and CRT? If you believe in the bad in it, it's not or So forth, right. you kind of just, you stand on different divisions yeah. and different sides. And I guess, do you know why that's happening more now than it's ever before within the church?
1: I, I assume there's probably a, a lot of reasons why I think,
2: because nationalism has always been there, right? Like it's always been part well, of where... that's,
1: that's, that's, well, that's where I'm going to go. I think historically American exceptionalism uh, has been with us from the beginning mm. where Americans going back to Massachusetts Bay colony and John Winthrop's, you know, this is a city on the Hill. Not talking talk about the church, but talking about Massachusetts Bay colony. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, Kennedy picks that up, Reagan picks that up, Obama picks that up, you know, so we, we are, there's always been this, this long tradition of American exceptionalism where we sort of confuse uh, national history with redemptive history. As if God is doing us, we are the new Israel. God is doing a special thing here. And when, when you have that view that your time and place, your nation is kind of specially chosen by God, God's, in Lincoln's language, almost chosen nation. Um, when you do that, your policy positions are going to take on a sacred fervor and urgency, because why? Well, you're preserving the kingdom of God on earth, right? By 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 fighting for this or that particular election. And uh, on the one hand, this is not just, uh, uh, this is a very much a sort of a white thing going back to American founding, but I think this has also impacted various minority populations yeah. and, and, and the way, and, and generations of immigrants coming into the United States have imbibed that same sort of cultural ethic and so yeah we've we've always fought americans have always fought exceptionally hard uh, around our politics and given it kind of a, a religious fervor it's our own brand of church establishment right so i think you have that whole theme i think also what's happening now however is our god or our gods are diverging hmm Okay, so 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 go back two hundred years, and America's divided between uh, Anglicans, Congregationalists, Presbyterians, Baptists, a few Catholics, and even fewer Jews. Okay, so so there there are those Thomas, those denominational differences. Do we sprinkle what you know water on the baby or not? What was dividing them at that point was not. Um, Uh, conceptions of God and what He is like and whether or not two men can get married or you can abort your babies or the different things that are, you know, uh, uh, topics of of conversation today, topics of controversy. So everybody was working broadly within the Judeo-Christian moral position, right, to some extent. Okay, well, now fast forward 200 years where the country is not divided among Anglicans and, and Congregationalists and Baptists, but instead it's divided between... Christians, evangelicals, mainline Protestants, Muslims, Hindus, secular, not religious, nuns, uh, you know, and and, and a whole host of categories. Well, at that point, our views of God are very different. Big G, little g, or gods. And at that point, our views of justice are very different. But now, go back to the first thing I said, this kind of religious fervor that we all approach our politics with as Americans. But now, put different gods, and different views of justice. Therefore, inside of that religious fervor, well, what happens? Well, it 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 becomes as acrimonious and 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 divided as as things presently feel. Sure. Right. And uh, so I, there's probably a lot more we could say. But again, I I told you I I've kind of we operate at this high theological level in in most of my thinking. Um. And I, I, th- I think that's what's going on. So social media, we can talk about social media and how that fast forwards everything. We, you know, we could talk about uh, the, the nature of campaign finance and what that has done to the political parties and how that, that that's exacerbated the, the present moment. And we could, we could talk about a lot of these different material factors that I think are real and significant in exacerbating the controversy we're all feeling. But I think at the largest level, I think what's going on is we have different gods I think we're giving ourselves increasingly over to different gods and those different gods have different views of justice and those different views of justice are then, uh, pursued with religious fervor, which is what we do as Americans. And, and so even inside the church, it's going to be as difficult as ever.
0: Polls seem like it seems like Biden's going to win, but who knows, anything can happen right after. Uh, what do you see, uh, what do you imagine being the aftermath for the church? after this 2020 election, either result, Trump or a Biden winning.
1: Oh, gosh, I hope we have a lot of grace on one another. I fear on present trends, we won't. Oh, but brother and sister, if your candidate uh, won, and I'm just mimicking my my former pastor Mark Dever here. So credit where credit's due, the, the Sunday after the 2016 election, he got up and said, you know, brothers and sisters, if, if your candidate won on Tuesday. Um, <clears throat> please remember to show care and compassion and empathy towards uh, those in the church who are at this moment feeling afraid because their candidate lost and who are worried for their lives and their livelihoods. And so even if your candidate won, I hope you're showing that sort of compassion for, for, for those who lost. And, and if your candidate lost, he said, um, then take confidence. Jesus wins. The Lord is sovereign. His rule is not threatened one bit by what happened on Tuesday. And I think uh, uh, you guys are posting this the, you know, day after the election. Well, same, same sort of lessons apply. Uh, if you, if you, if you have candidate if your candidate won yesterday, then certain obligations fall on you. And if your candidate lost yesterday, certain obligations fall on you. And I think those are slightly different, quali- different, uh, different obligations. Um, and in all of it, uh, win or lose, you know, I would remind you again, don't be co-opted. God is sovereign. Jesus wins. Um, show compassion to those who, 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 I may have a what you would count a weaker conscience. You think you're the stronger conscience one in Romans 14 and the other. Okay, fine. Show compassion to those who have a weaker conscience uh, than you. Forbear with one another. Welcome one another as as we have been welcomed in Christ, says Paul, and so should you.
2: What are some examples of uh, um, bad responses and what are some examples of good responses or helpful responses that you can see? Especially on elections? social media. <laughs>
3: Don't post gloating on is social a social media.
1: Gloating is a bad response. <laughs> uh, or 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 blaming. Like let's sure. let's suppose let's suppose Trump loses. I, I could see I could see if, if people who, who are big pro ad, uh, Trump advocates going after uh the moderates say like cost them the election. It's your fault. Okay, well that that's gonna help a lot, right? Kind of that I told you so ism
2: is lamenting okay.
1: I I think there's a place for lament. Absolutely. On, on either, on either side, potentially, depending on the the issues that, that you're concerned about. Um, Yeah. So good response, maybe lament. I think a good response is to pray for the government that we might live peaceful and quiet lives, because God wants everyone to be saved. Right. Mm. So, so whether Trump or Biden wins, I hope you're going to pray for him. Right. I think that's also a good response is praying for the, accepting the Lord's will, his secret will, that is, and his providence over all things. And then praying that that, that Trump slash Biden, whomever, is uh, uh, walking in wisdom, rewarding the good, punishing the bad, uh, doing justice. That's what Christians should, should do. A, a, a bad response is, I think, finally despondency, right? As if Jesus is not in charge. Yeah, And I, I, I think it's, it's, it's understandable why we might feel some level of regret or sadness. I'm not trying to say that's all bad. But finally, that can't move into a kind of depression, or it should not, a kind of deep despondency. Uh, as if you, you, you we didn't know the Lord that we serve, and the Lord who is the King of kings. Um, so sadness, yes. Despondency, perhaps not if that makes sense.
0: I think mean, one thing I'm telling my church people is to get off social media November 3rd and 4th.
1: Um, That's a great idea.
0: I, <laughs> you know, to be oh, honest, man. like we're in the situation because you're on Twitter and Facebook and CNN and Fox, whatever, too much. So one thing I'm going to t- try and do is just, just is not- Is that what hope. you say
1: to them? You say, our country's as messed up as it is because you guys are all on social media? Yeah, I
0: tell them straight <laughs> up. I watched Social Dilemma. I don't know if you watched that um, documentary or not. Um, I think social media plays a big role in politics in, in good and I think necessarily okay. the bad right now. Uh, and as politics has been evolving, I think the last four years has changed everything in terms of political discourse, especially within the church. What do you see are the biggest challenges with either result Trump or Biden winning for the church moving forward politically?
1: Well, that that's a good question. Um, biggest challenges for the church in both directions. I, I think, I think uh, if, 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 if Trump wins, I think we need to continue to do not continue. I think we need to do a better job at being willing to be critical of, of those things that, Would compromise a christian witness and that christians cannot approve of so we cannot give license to boasting we cannot give license to pride we cannot give license to racism or 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 racist dog whistling right i think we need to be willing to call those things out sure uh deceit and lying i think we need to be willing to call those things out um speak from scripture speak from the bible um and be willing to be critical of your own party, be willing to be critical of, of a, a leader like Trump when when he lives and acts in ways that are contrary to the gospel and gospel obedience, lest we be in the world's minds allied to that. I think we want to be very cautious about that. Um, I, 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 I do, uh, yeah. A Biden administration, um, I, I I do worry about the challenges to religious freedom, both mm. for churches and Christian ministries, but also the average Christian, you know, if you look at the Equality Act, uh, and what the Equality Act would require That's in true. in making SOGI, uh laws uh, part of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, that could have dramatic implications for every Christian doctor and every Christian nurse and many Christian teachers and so forth. And so I think that uh, with a Biden administration, those are the most obviously prominent challenges that I perceive that uh, Christians are gonna have to figure out how to deal with in coming years.
2: Yeah. Would you say it's the church's responsibility to equip our members politically?
1: Well, we are, it's the church's responsibility. And if by that you mean the pastor's responsibility and every, uh, every Christian's responsibility to uh, teach them everything I have commanded, right? Matthew 28, 19. Sure. So are you teaching the whole counsel of God? Are you teaching what it means to love your neighbor? Are you teaching what it means to do justice? Are you teaching what your obligations to the government are and are not? politics is not some separate area of our lives outside of religion politics is under the banner of obedience so yes it is the pastor's responsibility and to some extent every christian's responsibility to disciple one another to think and act politically yes again i'm going to go back to straight line jagged line distinctions now right that doesn't mean i'm going to tell you how to vote on this or that or what the right health care policy is or immigration policy is but i am going to equip you and teach you with biblical principles to think through those kinds of things for yourself.
2: What would you say to the Christian who, you know, their, their guy lost or their guy won or whatever it might be, but what would you say to the Christian? He's you know red or blue, but he goes to a church, let's pretend he's red. He goes to a church that feels predominantly blue. Like they're all kind Uh of cheering for a Biden win, but they're kind of quietly like, Oh, I'm actually feeling different politically from people here, even though theologically we're on the same page. Do you feel like that Christian can still be at that church? Is it better that a Christian actually leaves because fellowship is too weird for them? Is that something they need to overcome because that's not I'm a dividing so, issue?
1: I'm so glad you asked that question. No, I think a, a healthy church is going to feel some measure of political tension in it. And if mm. you don't feel any political tension in your church, it's mm. all blue, it's all red. I'm starting to wonder if it's church mm. and not just a gathering of red or blue, a gathering of of, of this or that party, right? And um, um now again, in some ways what I'm saying is I think universally generally true. I do think the worse parties become, the more we need to increasingly be willing to say, oh, you can't go down that route, as as I've said several times in this conversation. Nonetheless, in general, in principle, you should go into church expecting political tensions we're united in the gospel, we're not necessarily united in our politics. I'm assuming Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot continue to have different perspectives on Rome, even though they were now following Jesus, right? Being in the gospel doesn't mean all of our political judgments are going to suddenly line up, right? Because many of them pertain to common grace realm judgments. Uh, That means you go to church expecting to have to love your enemy, expecting to beat your sword into a plowshare and your spear into a pruning hook. It's in the local church. Go back to what I said at the very beginning. Where does our politics begin? It begins in our local churches, right? As we all say, Jesus is Lord. And, and, So it's there I'm going to have to beat my sword into a plowshare when I'm talking to that couple and they're going on and on about their political hobby horse again and again. And it's so frustrating. I'm meeting I'm talking to that guy and and he has this really obnoxious view that I just find offensive. Okay, it's at that moment I need to stop. Remember that that brother or that that couple is united to Christ through the new covenant in his blood, that he Hmm. died for them. And that therefore we are brother and sister together. And at that moment, I got to put my sword down and love this enemy. Okay? Mm -hmm. A healthy church does that. And if all you have instead is complete and total political unity, I'm going to ask the question, what's creating that unity? Is it really the gospel or is it something else?
0: Dr. Lehman, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I, I hope I think everyone that's listening was blessed. Um, we hope, pray for you and your ministry, especially on November third and fourth, as it's upcoming. Uh, as we do for every listener and pastor.
1: oh no, it's so over. You. You're posting this <laughs> that's after. That's true. The fact Apologies. So. <laughs> prayers in advance <laughs>
0: and prayers for the future. So thank you, Dr. Lehman, yeah. so much. We hope you had a good Guys, time. Guys,
1: great to talk to you. Grateful for the time.
0: Once again, thank you, Dr. Jonathan Lehman, for coming on. Before we talk about the election. Uh, just to let you guys know, too, if you're listening, uh, it was a much longer interview. He was really gracious of his time, but we had to cut it down just for time's sake. But uh, any thoughts on hearing that from both of you guys, and I guess including me, too?
2: I mean, I said this earlier, but we're so Asian, man. We don't <laughs> share our opinions. He just, we just let him go. I mean, it was cool hearing his opinions. I feel like you know, he is knowledgeable, and obviously, like, I have... A lot of respect for like the books he's written and his position and he took us he took he takes a stand on things and so got to respect that and the stand is based upon his convictions from the Word of God and um, but yeah I, I was surprised how as he was speaking I was like hmm I don't know when to chime in <laughs> like <am> I might <laughs> love to chime in or uh, must interrupt him so but yeah, yeah I, I certainly just kept interrupting
0: yeah you know one thing that stood out was like oh he really knows what he's talking about which a lot of people I know, maybe including ourselves, like when we talk about politics, especially as pastors, I was just like, oh, you like, there's so many things that are out there in political theology and just politics itself that, as pastors, a lot of the times we don't have the uh, warrant of information to talk about or like the license to talk about. So that's one thing I got about it where I kind of respected, oh, he
3: actually knows his stuff.
2: And he's in D.C., so that's like the that's center very of all true. that. So very I'm sure true. that shapes the way you talk about things.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely appreciated um, Dr. Lehman's perspective. Um, I think for me personally, even listening back, um, if I'm being completely honest, I think there are aspects of that conversation. I think, given the moment, um, that were a little bit uncomfortable. You know, I think. So much of, um, you know, at least what I try to do um, at Citizens, um, what I, uh, the kind of community I try to cultivate in our church is a community where, you know, there is a lot of dialogue and nuance and kind of, um, it, it feels like there's a lot of legwork that happens at the beginning to kind of, yeah, t- to nuance a discussion to you know especially when it comes to some of these things that are very very uh lightning rod topics um especially pertaining to politics especially given the fact that um i think people are on edge on both sides right now there's a lot of anxiety um especially this past week i mean i'm sure you guys experience this in your own communities but i think just that one week of election coverage was like a microcosm of the entire year uh, in, in terms of how, I think, anxious people were feeling in terms of politics and things like that. And so I guess there was something hard about you know, us just having a conversation with someone pretty and, and maybe just how direct, Dr. Lehman was maybe with some of his <laughs> thoughts and maybe maybe this is going back to my own Asianness, um and just you know I'm just, that's not the way that I generally communicate or operate or even yeah um even within my own community and so um in general I think given the moment it was a little bit difficult for me to be honest.
0: But uh, if you're listening, Dr. Lehman, we want to thank you for coming we'll on. We love you, Dr. Lehman.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think to sum it up, it was a really interesting experience. It was our first guest and just seeing the difference of cultures. But I think even Dr. Lehman would uh, understand. Like, he felt it too. It was really interesting to see just even how podcasting with different cultures kind of plays out sometimes. But we could talk about that for a while. Maybe we will in the future. But in the time being, uh, we have for now a new president-elect Joe Biden has won the election um, as of Saturday November 7th which was when we're recording which what a week uh, like Jason described it's been every day something crazy happened and today was one of the craziest days of all but yeah we're gonna try and dissect everything let just let you guys know we usually have like a, a somewhat of a script to go through but we just wanted to just kind of keep it candid and see where the conversation flows but yeah, I think for you guys, really quick Jason and Tom, what what's like what are your first takes when you woke up this morning and you you saw that Biden won the election? Or how did you find out? I was sleeping and Sylvie just rushed into my room and like shook me awake and said Biden won and I was like, Whoa, that's crazy.
2: But Yeah, so we were at church function and then I just I think someone DM'd me saying Biden won. But I didn't have time to think about it because we had to continue our church function, so. <laughs> Church I could process. I could not
0: process it at the moment.
3: Church first. I respect that. Jason? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I saw a notification on my phone or something. And I had to check, like, five or six different news sources um, to confirm what I was reading. But um, I think for me, like, this whole week was one big inhale. And I feel mm. like just seeing that was just, like, that huge exhale. Yeah. Like, um... Not necessarily finally it's over, but more like, okay, now we can move on. You know, that kind of, you know, that feeling of you can't even know how to move forward because there's still so much uncertainty there. And then even just having that one nugget of certainty, it was kind of like, okay, you know, let's move forward now.
0: I guess for you guys, like what, what's your biggest takeaway just from... This past week of like not just Biden winning, but this whole like roller coaster ride that we've been on as a as a nation and even as a church in America too. Um, what's your like your first takeaway that you kind of maybe quickly have uh, reflecting on this crazy week?
2: I remember I was watching that I think I saw it that Tim Keller, Jonathan Haidt, Veritas Forum discussion, and they're talking mm. about how we can have a true plurality in the nation, and Keller was saying that we, he doesn't know if we've ever had it before and he doesn't know if we will looking at how things are and that's probably the big unfortunate I guess negative takeaway is how polarizing our country is I mean even even if Trump lost it's still not like being conceded that he lost and mm. it's still like not over in, a, in one sense and so um, I feel like that's the biggest one of the big takeaways is, unfortunately, the polarization, the chasm, is stronger than ever. And I don't know if there's a lot of optimism of like that being decreased, at least nationally or politically. I feel mm-hmm. like the church might be the one place where you can faithfully reflect more of a unity. But I think when you even see it within the churches, that could be discouraging. Um, and so that's actually one thing I appreciate the most about One thing Lehman said is, in the church, can you find people who are politically different than you, but you're united in the gospel, and there's still that sense of unity. But, yeah, that's that chasm and that polarization that's happening in our country, I think that's probably, unfortunately, a negative takeaway I got from everything.
0: So, like, for me, kind of going off of Tom, but kind of on the flip side, I do... So I agree with Tom where, like... I I, I think we're messaging Tom, even about church stuff. So... Like, I guess this is like church gossip news, but if right before the election, Twitter was going crazy because they found out that Tim Keller and Mark Dever were registered as Democrats. I don't know if you guys saw that, but like... And then Tom just responded back like, oh, this is going to... Politics is now in the church. It's going to divide everything, which I Mm agree. But I think seeing the election this past week, one kind of positive that I had was like, well, I think being in California, like everyone expected this blue takeover, like... Biden's gonna sweep they're gonna win the the Senate they're gonna win the House but I, I'm i not following exactly numbers but it doesn't seem that way I mean for sure this was like a close win for Biden I think the Senate is still red um, the House is barely blue but basically one of the takes that I've had and just this is kind of just watching some, some news information too but I feel like America isn't buying either the right or left narrative as a whole if that makes sense mm-hmm. the fact that Trump lost his close the fact that the Senate is divided, whatever it may be, that both sides, the left and right, the narrative of like MAGA versus identity politics, I don't think America as a whole is buying either one of them. Um, and again, on Tom's point, that can lead to division, but on the church's point, I think that's, it's a way and an opportunity that we need to wake up and realize that even America's kind of fed up with everything that's been going on. Um, the fact that it came down to thousands of votes in georgia and arizona nevada and pennsylvania just shows like yeah it's divided but i don't think america they're kind of just fed up with the whole process too i feel and that they don't really know as a nation maybe as a church in america like which direction to go if that makes sense
2: do you think people are happy right now are are people in your church happy like christians
3: i think so <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you think they're happy because like, trump lost or do you think they're happy because biden won it,
3: um i think they're i it's this they're one and the same man, I think. I feel to them
0: it's just like I feel yeah we,
3: i feel weird well, why I, do you feel weird yeah, go ahead Tom. it's a weird
2: feeling like so i started this with eugene earlier but do you remember uh Jason, do you remember Star Wars? I don't know if I shared this with you already, too, but... the clone. I oh, you didn't I, see I've Star never Wars. seen Star Wars. That's right. So, like, in, yeah. like, uh, episode two, pretty much at the premise of episode two where, like, there's this these bad guys that were basically robots in a robotic army, and they're bad news, and you have to get rid of them, but, you know, there's so many of them, so what do you do? And that's when the Jedi got a bunch of clone soldiers that became the stormtroopers, and they beat the robotic army. And so you won, because they had to go, The bad guys, but now you're just staring at the stormtroopers going, hmm, like, what's gonna happen? And that's, that feels like, you know, Trump, it's like he, he probably had a go because there's a lot of bad things about him. But now you're looking at, you know, it's, what's coming up and it's like, I just hear Darth Vader music playing. I just don't know how I feel. Like, so it's a weird feeling. Like, you're kind of happy that maybe Trump, you know, he, he was so polarizing. But on the other hand, it's like, but is this better? Yeah, it's a weird feeling.
3: Yeah, I I didn't understand that analogy at all. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know I I, I kind of I do agree with you though. I think there are a lot of people holding um, a lot of different feelings in tension. You know, I I guess if I were to really kind of rank what people what I at least I'm seeing in in my community in particular is, I, yeah, I think the number one thing is that. I think, generally speaking, and this is, you know, painting in very broad strokes, but I think um, what I'm seeing is a lot of people are just happy Trump is out. Um, mm. I think I agree with you. I think there isn't necessarily a Biden is going to now fix everything. Um, I don't I don't get that sense. I think there is still a sense of let's wait and see. But I think the the biggest kind of uh, thing that I'm seeing is a general joy, um, that Trump is out. And, um, yeah, I mean, e- even for me, like it, uh, it's a lot of different emotions. I mean, even with Kamala, like, you know, just to see, uh, a woman of color, um, in that position, I think as a father of a daughter, um, you know, that, that had its, that brought with it its own emotions for me. Um, you know, just to, I think there was something really powerful about that um you know and so yeah I th- I, you know it's one of those things i think i'm not really sure exactly how i feel right now but uh, i i think what it is is that i'm holding a lot of different emotions and tension
2: but don't you think it's like if you're a christian you're almost not publicly allowed to be vocal about like a democratic presidential president like that almost feels taboo You mean like vocally... uh, Like, I'm so happy Biden is now the president. Like, I feel like you're almost not supposed to say that as a Christian because, you know, the Christian... I mean, it's it's kind of weird if you say that. You shouldn't be necessarily aligned with the red uh, Republicans, but it feels like the subculture is if you publicly endorse saying, I'm so happy that a Democrat is president, that feels almost illegal or
3: you shouldn't be doing that. That that. is is absolutely not the... uh, Oh, is that not your context at all? Not, the, not in oh, my okay, context at all. Yeah, pe- people are, are loud and proud um, with it. But I, I will say that um, I think in my role right now as a pastor, I will say that, um, you know, if I'm being honest, I, I'm very a lot more mindful of what I post. And, you know, it, and it's still something that I'm getting used to, understanding just... Um, that there is, you know, I have my own personal opinions, I have my own leanings about certain things, but also understanding that um, in my role, I'm serving a broader community of people. And so I I, I, I definitely feel like um, as pastors in the city, um, they're, they're much, there's a lot more of a cognizance of that. Um, I don't necessarily see that in in our congregations at all
0: (laughs) yeah jason's in a different world than me (laughs) like for me i kind of get what tom's saying because i've stopped posting anything remotely political just because one of the backlash but two kind of what tom was getting at that you know red or blue like it's just so many it's just such a bag of consequences whatever you do, like even today i wanted to post on new york times that like biden won but it was like, but it's New York Times. Like, what does that say from other people if they see that? And like, I made sure I posted with no comment, no emoji, <laughs> nothing. I don't know. Like, is am I erring too far on the side of like can, being safe? I don't know.
3: But we need to do an episode on on like just the thousand thoughts that go through our minds before we post or say anything <laughs> they don't people know. don't know
2: that every post <laughs> there's a know. lot of thought usually put into that post
0: they really don't know <laughs> i wasn't like that before but 2020 for sure changed me um but so talking about posting and everything one question i had in my mind and i think a lot of our church members probably going through is in the next couple of days especially next week uh, what is some advice you would give and how you as a church member, or a member of your church, you know, of all our churches, should react and act accordingly to this election?
3: You know, today we actually had um, a, a therapist come and speak to our CG leaders, a good friend of mine, Roy. Um, and, um, you know, he, at the end of his talk, he kind of uh, referenced the election. I was so appreciative of what he said. And, you know, he, he basically was was talking about, you know, hey, you know, if you're, you know, you may be so happy that your candidate won, um, but you have to understand that, you know, there are going to be a lot of people in your congregation who may be in pain um, because their candidate lost. And, Mm. you know, um, not to say that a a person's not allowed to be happy, but, you know, something that he said was understanding that that pain um, can be, Connected to so many different things that you don't know about. And your kind of our, I think, responsibility as as a community, um, you know, living in the way of Jesus is to really lean into each other's pain. Right. So, you know, um, I think this whole season has been a lot of oh, you're a Trump supporter, then you must be. You must believe this, this, and this, and this. You're a Biden supporter, you must believe this, this, and this, and this. Not realizing that, you know, sometimes our support or, or disdain for a candidate stems from deeper things um, that are very personal, that stem from lived experiences. And, you know, uh, even asking questions like, hey, what, you know, a- a- allowing people to feel safe about expressing that maybe – the result they wanted you know wasn't what happened and then why you know and actually yeah um and actually caring what they think you know actually caring about why they might feel the way they do
2: yeah i'd probably say um i think we had a speaker speak for us on Sunday. Guest speaker as well and one charge he gave our churches no matter what happens um not to downplay the importance of the elections, but the mission of the church is gonna stay the same, which is to preach the gospel and to make disciples. And And I do feel like the public sphere, the public square is a part of that discipleship, which is why I was telling our church, like, hey, we should know what's going on, uh, not because we are just interested in politics or because the culture is interested, but this is a part of what it means for um, us to live out our Christian faith uh, not just within the church but outside of church walls this is what it means to love our neighbors and i think that once the elections are over i hope we don't go back to okay now we're just going to do our, our churchy thing it's like no like mm-hmm. this is actually a part of spiritual formation a part of something that we are interested in and that's I'm thankful. even our church we're doing a faith and politics study and i purposely made sure we did it where it extended most of it extended outside after the election results because I feel like it shouldn't just be a hype moment, a moment just because everyone else was into it. And now that the guy is gone that you wanted gone, you're kind of apathetic again. It's like, well, I feel like this was almost a moment that maybe God want his people to pay attention to and to realize this is important. And there are a lot more factors that go into it that actually matter and pertain to uh, the Christian life. And so I hope that it's not something that we drop from our radar, but it's something that we continue to grow and to learn and to gain insight from. So that'd be my hope.
0: Hey, shout to Tom held his class on election night, and people showed I up. I did. That's right. So that's during, crazy. So shout election. out to that. Yeah, out to that class. Um, if I would add anything, I totally agree with everything they said. Don't don't co op Jesus to show your political preference right now. Like I'm not gonna name any names, but I remember I woke up, you know, my wife like woke me up. Biden won. So I, what did I do? I just go on my phone, and right after like the announcement came out, like 10 minutes later, like one of my friends who leans a little red. And all caps posted as a status, like, Jesus is still king. And I was just like, oh, you're, like, using a truth to show very clearly what your political preference is. <laughs> and I think it's really easy to do that. You know, like, great. I, even how you pray for Joe Biden, you know, like, let's pray that Joe Biden doesn't make mistakes. Like, I, I've seen that post a lot. Mm. And I've seen the other side where let's pray Joe Biden is, like, a... a I'm just you know it's hard to you and we have to nuance our thoughts but just don't don't use jesus and the scriptures to co-opt your political movement right now because it's really easy to do so um but yeah i think given that it's it's crazy because i don't know i feel like because of 2020 i feel like trump's been president for like 10 years just so many things have happened right in the past three and point seven five years of trump as a presidency or probably even more and as this time is you know Coming to an end probably um, we'll we'll see how that happens what what are your biggest <laughs> reflections and takeaways from trump's presidency of this nation for you guys
2: you know he really challenged explicitly I felt like the Republican party's connection to evangelical Christian mm, that's very true yeah it, it was very, very explicit true. he wasn't like this he was he was kind of like the extreme version of the GOP you know like that it was like that caricature that represented everything about that party hmm. and it kind of made all the loud voices louder and, and kind of you kind of saw like wait is this really like you know is this biblical Christianity is this evangelical white American like it just was very clear and explicit not to say that's the entire Republican Party per se but that's kind of what Trump brought out and I think it actually made Christians not presume anymore that, oh, there were, if you're a Christian, you should vote Republican. Because I do think that was the general sentiment for the past 10, 20 years at the very least or so. But now you're almost kind of seeing like, wait, do you, do you have to? Because is, if this is Christianity, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. And so that was actually interesting. What are, no matter, what are you concluded that that is or not? I do think that you're kind of almost forced to ask that question now. You can't just presume if you're a Republican, you're a Christian. Very
0: true. Trump Trump was like a litmus test to people who just didn't care about politics, Mm. on both sides, I think. Which I'm actually really think in a way thankful for that. Like, let's just say it was another like establishment Republican that was a president. I don't think people kind of almost like there was a political like revolution in the past couple of years it's
2: because yeah. like he didn't have played a game like he was like someone from the outside like oh okay i'll be republican for you and he just like <laughs> you know took on all the caricature yeah. of that republican <laughs> yeah, party yeah. you know what i mean it's like he wasn't yeah. a real republican thought like he was just took on what he thought well, he the was ideology. he was Donald trump <laughs> he, <wasn't>, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's who he was that's that's what he was trump, but he took on like oh yeah you guys are religious sure <laughs> and you yeah. guys are pro-life sure and he just yeah it was really interesting watching that
3: yeah that's that's a good take um Yeah, I mean, I I, I think more than any other presidency that I can think of in recent memory, I think the question of character um, was raised a lot. You know, whether it was the question of what's more important, character versus policies, you know, I think um, Dr. Lehman kind of touched on that a little bit. But I think so many people, and I think just the way trump was just in his rhetoric and you know uh, just in who he was kind of as you said be you know the only way you could describe him is trump you know and i think there was something about that that forced people to ask how important is you know the character of your leaders at least the just the blatant external you know characteristics that that are out there for all of us to see you know how important is that um because even you know even you know when i talk to my republican friends um you know a lot of them always disclaimer with yeah you know not a huge fan of trump's character but you know and so that but that was still always there that was still always a topic of conversation and i feel like um that was definitely all brought to the surface for sure so I
0: totally agree with Jason, and I'm gonna say something that might get me in trouble. So, I, so you know, John John Piper had that article which I totally, actually, I'm fully behind. That character matters, and that character is also policy. But I think one thing Trump made me realize is, like in 2016, like everyone thought Hillary was gonna win in a landslide, especially us living in California, and it. Like, I mean, she won the popular vote, but there was enough votes where people were shocked that Donald Trump won. And people are quick to assume, like, oh, yeah, like, it shows that America is racist. Could be. I'm not sure. But I also think there's people that voted for Trump, not because of his character, but because they haven't been... They feel like no one's been listening to them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like... Because we're all in California. we're, We're in the coast and things have been going pretty well for us no matter what your leaning is even no matter like where you are very generally you know there could be people not so i don't want to assume that but i just think it kind of woke me up that like look america is much bigger than california it's much bigger than new york there's people in the midwest and south and yes they're white just but it's a different world and do i think there's racist tendencies like there could be but i also think like we're not listening uh, as a people, and also as a church, I feel. That like, the fact that we were shocked that he won in 2016, and the fact that people were shocked that he had a chance this year, just made me realize like, oh yeah, like, are the people voting for him racist? Maybe, but I also think like, there's just a whole other side of America that we're not listening to. Like for example, me and Tom were at a pastor's conference, and I was like meeting pastors from Utah, um, pastors from just the south and midwest and I was like, Holy cow, this is a completely different world.
2: They're probably shocked that we spoke English. <laughs> they never <laughs> so met, met the legions like us.
0: Very true. But um yeah, I don't know. My my main reflection is just like, man, I hope we just listen more just to people, especially as a church and as Christians, that like we, we shouldn't be it's it's weird that we were shocked that President Trump won. We should we should have seen it coming, I think. But um so with Trump now hope not hopefully but probably four years are done and now we have at least four years of joe biden um and Kamala harris as his running mates and i guess for you guys what is your i guess just what are your expectations for a biden presidency and also how that affects our church um, our members our culture too um yeah well, what do you what do you guys think is upcoming in your mind
2: I like what he said in the beginning. Like we're, let's remember first we're not enemies, but we're Americans. Mm. Like he's, I think he recognizes the polarization that has happened, and so hopefully that's the good that could be brought. Is the uh, leader of the land is not gonna divide the country more, but would try to unite the country more. That'd be cool to see. Although you know, I feel like I can imagine though a lot of rhetoric, and usage or whatever it might be could aim to unite but the policies and things that are actually happening might actually cause a lot of division so yeah I'm curious about that and I think you're going to hear a lot of the like I think when Trump was president you heard a lot of the more left wing news outlets being very vocal and critical now you're going to hear a lot more the right wing being very vocal and critical so that's interesting seeing that dynamic Hmm. take place
3: um yeah, I, I do think the next four years is uh, going to, you know, be a lot of healing. Um, you know, I think a, a friend of mine said, you know, texted me this morning and was like, today feels less like an election victory and, and more like the end of a war, you know. Um, and, you know, he, he's, a, he's a Biden supporter, and he was like, you know, I'm going to celebrate today, but... Really, I know that I'm gonna need a lot of healing, Um, and I feel like that's whether you were uh, whether you voted Democrat or Republican. I think that's um, we can all relate to that. I think this just not not only these the four years, but I I think this year and then these past couple of months have been so emotionally exhausting for people, Um, and I think we've just. There's just been so much, and I and I think a lot of the hurt and and pain that people are are have experienced um, is real pain, and so and I think uh, just this election cycle exposed a lot of that, brought it all to the surface, and I think that it's going to be important um, for us to really find ways to unite and heal as a nation. And um, you know, uh, you know, one thing I will say, this is going back to kind of. Maybe what um Eugene referenced, but you know, even for those who are really happy about um, Biden being president um, i I do think um we have to kind of take that same posture of commending Biden for the things he does well um but but also uh you know being critical you know i think um, when when we feel like he's not doing well because I think. I think as a nation we have to get to that place where our president succeeding is is good for all of us you know and so um i do think that you know it's going to require a change in posture um on both sides
0: i don't know i mean i don't know what to expect because not that i enjoyed trump um but i think tom's point in the beginning really struck with to me that i think trump was really revealing it forced you to make a choice politically mm-hmm. which a lot of asian americans didn't have to before i wonder what biden will do i mean it was really it was really refreshing to hear a presidential speech that felt presidential <laughs> um <laughs> that felt like oh this is yeah, this is going back to you know going back to the ordinary um which you know was mundane but i kind of missed but at the yeah. same time you know i'm also curious like yeah where will this lead us um I'm not sure, um, which I'm just kind of interested to see. I there's things about Biden that I really do admire. Uh, I think he genuinely—I could be wrong because he's a politician, and I don't want to judge all of them. But I think he genuinely does want the like America to be united. I could tell that in a speech. Uh, but also, like, you know, there's—I don't want to get into it—but there's a lot of things of the Democratic Party as a pastor, as for the church. I'm a little nervous and weary about, um, and just seeing how that all plays out too. As Biden is now, or I don't know, as like we're moving into, you know, a a kind of new age, like how how do you feel, how would you commend your church members to keep politically engaged as Christians now that Trump is kind of out of office? Because I do fear what Trump, uh, sorry, what Tom talked about, that I think a lot of people now that he's gone, people were more passionate about hating Trump than actually caring about politics, loving your neighbor, policies, et cetera, et cetera. So for you guys how would you try and kind of like what Tom was mentioning keep your members politically engaged as Christians
2: I really do think it's about seeing the role of government that God has in the land just I said this to our church before or people in our book study uh, you can grow as a Christian by yourself reading your Bible praying like you can do that but God has ordained the local church as the means for God's people to grow through mm-hmm. the preaching of God's word through the sacraments through the fellowship of the people so again you can be that Christian who grows on your own but the normal ordained means that God has given is the local church for his people to grow in a similar way can you bring justice to the land and mercy by handing out sandwiches in the park and feeding the homeless at a soup kitchen that your church volunteers for sure that's nice but the ordained means for God to bring justice and mercy into the land is actually government that is the ordained means just Genesis nine God has made sure that that when humanity came together and were living together in light of sin that he would ensure that there would be justice that needs to be rendered by the sword and so to me, I hope that this could kind of wake us up a bit to see that of course still practice mercy on the streets but also seeing that the main means that God wants to practice mercy for his people the ordained means is actually the law of the land and Mm -hmm. therefore we should care about that and actually be active in that if we actually care about mercy and justice
0: yeah piggyback off of Tom because it just came to my mind I think so Trump was revealing I think one thing it revealed that a lot of people care more about cultural issues than political policy issues Hmm. Uh, so meaning like it's people love talking about trump because it was cool to talk about or to hate about trump i feel in his past four years but i don't know i feel like no one really cared about tax policies all the boring stuff that was still going on during the presidency and yeah i just hope that like all because someone that's really entertaining maybe in pro or negative ways for you as a christian is now out of the office that you just stop caring about politics because kind of like what tom mentioned if you want to love your neighbor and I think it's – so, again, this might be a generalization, but I think a lot of our listeners are middle class. And a lot of the policies that a president does doesn't really affect you. Um, tax codes, hmm. I don't know, free meals at schools, etc. And But it affects other people. And that's why Trump almost had a chance even in 2020. That, I, I remember someone mentioned in a political commentator that, look, if Trump wasn't – off the rocker crazy he could have easily won this election because his policies were really popular with people now whether they're biblical or not that's another issue but i hope we care about those things as boring as they may be like reading through your propositions this past election in california seeing what those really are because that's i think what Tom was saying that's the core of politics it's not what's on cnn or fox news it's what these policies are doing to your neighbors and acting and thinking are they biblical or not i just hope our church members would care more about that
2: yeah, cause um, that's usually how justice happens right like it's the those that are minorities or oppressed they're the ones who bring it to the attention. but it's those in the majority with power who actually take action and use their whatever position they're in to bring a voice something. to that and do something yeah yeah which most people probably like in our social class were in that position right
0: yeah and I feel right now people are like observing these issues coming up like well that's interesting but they're not taking that next step like you said of like following through what does that really mean as a Christian to love and, and act justly but yeah
3: yeah I mean I, I totally agree um, I think when we talk about loving your neighbor um, how do you love your neighbor uh, when you don't know your neighbor um, and I think um, even the way that I think all three of us talk about certain things completely changes Um, When we know someone who is, you know, going through something on a very personal level, you know, uh, the way we talk about Republicans and Democrats changes when we have friends who are Republicans or Democrats. You know, it just Mm -hmm. it's just the fact of life, you know, Um, and I think the way we approach issues will change and our engagement with issues will change by nature of us being very plugged into our communities, um, you know, especially the underserved, the vulnerable, the marginalized in our communities, um, to understand what their needs are and then to speak up on their behalf. I would say the second thing is, you know, uh, I would hope, I I think one of the reasons the church can feel like it's becoming co-opted by politics is because um, we tend to talk about issues of justice, Um, issues, you know, issues of, you know, uh, justice for the oppressed, things like that, only when they become political issues. And so, Mm. you know, I think, you know, you saw a lot of, you know, churches start talking about race, racism. I mean, granted, you had some huge um, events like George Floyd, like brianna taylor that were kind of on the forefront of our collective consciousness that kind of forced the issue there Um, but a lot of times you know at least in a lot of the context that i've been a part of we only talk about these things every four years when they (laughs) become political platforms and i think um, churches need to regularly engage with these issues outside of politics so that we aren't co-opted by politics you know and so i think we have to regularly um be talking about justice be talking about mercy for the oppressed the vulnerable so last
0: question to you guys will the church be more united or more divided in the next four years after this election
2: more divided (laughs) You're so cynical, Tom. Optimistic? Why so? I would want to know why, apart from the power of the spirits, which I know could do all things, but there's not much reason to think optimistically about the next four years. Although I could be more optimistic about the next maybe like 14 years Mm because I feel like God could use this deep division for something that whether we're tired of it or whether we realize more important things, but these next f- four years—I don't know, man. It's pretty bad. You, I think you said we're
0: always divided, but like Trump finally showed us how divided we are, and yes. now you think we have to deal with it.
2: I don't see any like. Do you guys see any encouraging signs? I don't see any encouraging Jason, signs. I'm sure Jason.
0: Jason's does. optimistic, but <laughs> Jason, what's your what's your take on the on the question?
3: No, I'm very hopeful. Um, yes. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, I, I agree. I think the Trump presidency has um, exposed how, how divided we are as a nation. But but I think, it you know, as they say, like, things have to get a lot worse before they get better. You know, I think you have to see that there's a problem before you can actually um, take the necessary steps to... Um, at least address that problem and I think at the very least churches, pastors we're very aware now that we are divided and that there is a, an issue and there's a need for restoration and reconciliation um, and I think that hopefully my hope is that pastors everywhere are thinking about how to address this with our congregations which maybe we weren't thinking about four years ago
0: so. you know what I miss are the tulip debates Cause <laughs> hey man. those were simpler times. Hey man. Like Lucy whether you're changed.
3: a four-point Calvinist or a yeah. or a yeah. five-point Calvinist. Yeah.
0: Like I remember after retreats, like everyone would try and act like they know more theology than they do, and they would. That's like <laughs> that's too.
3: That was a uh,
2: late '90s, late early yeah, 2000s. Maybe in, maybe then it became so. like those the debate times. of like sexuality and where you stand there. And now it's a it's CRT. <laughs> and
0: Crazy and times. It's true, um, right? yeah I, I don't know i feel like i'm in the middle i feel like i'll put I'll, I'll put like an armenian card i i feel like it's up to us um i don't know i kind of like what tom was mentioning i kind of like that we're in a position of division because i think com mentioned it before it's it's always been there whether it's tulip sexuality or crt but uh, i think now more than ever you have to deal with it and as asian american especially those in the church like well we have to deal with it there's tension and what are we going to do um we usually play it safe, and everyone's homogeneous in a lot of our thinking. But that's not the case anymore for a lot of our churches. So, I don't. As a pastor, I don't like that. But as a Christian, um, I do find that a little encouraging that we can finally live out the epistles rather than fake that no is going wrong in our churches. And you know, the the worst problem is porn. And not that it's not a bad problem, but um, I hope
2: our or, or one good thing like so. Jason gave me a little bit of hope there. One good thing I think is. We now know, or at least mainstream evangelicalism, they should now know that with the way we're doing things does not work. Like mm-hmm. the way we talk about these topics, especially in the public square, does not work. And we're using like similar scripts that we used in the late 90s to talk about different political issues. Mm-hmm. And th- 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 it has to change. And the church is just kind of echoing that, right? You're just kind of echoing, like, you know, oh, why are you, why do you stand here with, Abortion or sexual ethics or so forth and we're kind of using the same script that the political The public square is using and conservatism and that just it has to shift a lot more And I think it hasn't shifted for us because we're not engaging enough with people of differing opinions We're kind of just in our conservative bubbles But what we're doing does not work and a good sign of that is you know, even for the conservative camp is Trump didn't win and so something is not resonating, and so something might need to shift. And so I'm not sure that's going to lead to a worse problem, but at the very least, the former way of doing things kind of has to change, and maybe God could do something with that. So,
0: agrees. It's a breakthrough. Jason's so optimism Jason has won. Maybe in this episode. My heart a <laughs> so yeah, well, that's a good way to end. But yeah, I just you know, for all those listening, we hope you can pray for our leaders. We hope you can pray for those that are on the other aisle politically for you, and just remember that in the church, we're all united in Christ. Um, yeah, shout out to Shim. Thank you for the mic. Uh, you know what that means, but yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we hope you can. We hope you see. You, we can see you on our next episode. Um, and yeah, have a great election post
2: week.